Go ahead and grab a copy of God's Word and be making your way to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua's in the Old Testament. We're going a little bit of Old Testament tonight. Joshua, I love Joshua. Joshua would probably be one of my heroes of the faith. He was an amazing leader, a man that walked with God. All throughout Scripture, though, you see amazing men that walked with God and did amazing things in the name of Jesus. But oftentimes, along with those men and women, you see failures, you see shortcomings, you see mistakes that they made. You can see it with David, you can see it with Solomon, you can see it with Peter. On and on and on the list could go of men and women who did awesome things for the name of God but had their failures. Joshua, on the other hand, when you look through the book of Joshua, you never really see Joshua have any bad boo-boos. And that's not to say that, that it didn't happen, but when it comes to what we have recorded in Scripture, you, you just don't see it. So, man, you men, men in the room tonight, let me, let me talk to y'all just for a second. Now more than ever, we need men of God to be men of God. And if you need a role model to look up to, somebody to model your life after, don't look at me. Don't look at Brother Matt. Look at somebody like Joshua. Go to Scripture and find a man of God. I'll fail you every single time, and so would Joshua, but this guy, man, he had it put together. You want to know how to lead your family like a man of God? Look at Joshua's life. You want to know how to lead out in ministry like a man of God? Look at Joshua's life. You want to know how to follow God even when nobody else wants to follow God around you as a man of God? Look at Joshua's life. I love Joshua. As we enter into the third installment of our Jesus Owns Me series, I want to take a moment and point at a very certain reality. The greatest need that every one of us has is the need for salvation. To see that we are sinners broken in our relationship to God because of that rebellion. To see that God's just punishment of sin is death and separation from Him in hell. But to see that in His great love, He sent Jesus who wittingly gave His life for us on the cross, to see that now by his blood that he spilled, our sins can be forgiven. To see that if we will confess him as Lord, repent of our sins, and believe in who he truly is, we will be saved. Receiving salvation in Jesus is the very essence of us now being owned by him. So if you've never received this salvation in Jesus Christ, tonight's your night. Enter into his love and new life. I promise you it's the greatest decision that you will ever make and one that you will never regret. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. In a moment, we're going to flip over to chapter 3 later on. So if you want to put a thumbnail there here in a moment. But Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, God's word says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, 
commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want us to talk tonight and consider the subject of dependency issues. You ever know somebody with dependency issues? Usually we relate this to dating or marriage relationships where we perceive that one person just can't do anything without the other. They seem to be completely dependent upon them for making decisions, for enjoyment, for satisfaction, even becoming anxious when they're separated from them at any given moment. Maybe y'all know some people who got dependency issues. Maybe you're one of those people. They have dependency issues in the sense of being dependent on. But when it comes to our relationship with Christ, I think a lot of us have dependency issues in the sense of being independent of. If Jesus owns me, then he expects my dependence to be upon him. My personal state of relying on him for all things, acknowledging his complete and utter control over my life and choosing not to take matters into my own hands any longer. But that's exactly where the dependency issue shows up most times for us. We come to Jesus in need of salvation and we surrender our lives to him, receiving him as Lord and expressing our full dependence upon him for the direction of our lives. But when he takes a direction or when he chooses a path or when he provides a way or when he allows a circumstance that we don't jive with, we recoil in our dependence and attempt to regain control of our lives again. That's like saying, Jesus, take the wheel and then call him a bad driver. We've got some dependency issues, I think. As I look around it, especially a younger generation of men and women of God, we've got some dependency issues. We don't know how to truly give full control over to Jesus, even though we can express that. We don't truly give it. So let's take a peek at why dependency is important and how it's really in our favor to fully depend on God. And as we do so, let me give you some context about what's going on in Joshua. Just in case you don't know the story, God rose up Moses to go and free his people from Egyptian bondage. God led them out of that bondage, crossed the Red Sea, headed towards the land that he promised that he would give them as an inheritance. On their way there, the Israelites had some hiccups and so did Moses. Moses was removed from leadership. They never entered into the promised land. Joshua assumes command. So now Joshua is God's chosen vessel to be the one to lead these people into the land that God had promised to them as an inheritance. So as we pick up in Joshua chapter 1, we see God commissioning Joshua saying, Get ready, son, because I'm fixing to move y'all in. And you're my chosen leader to be able to do that. Forty years of wandering around in the wilderness. Forty years of not taking possession of the promise that God had laid out for them to grab hold of was now coming to an end. Joshua was at the helm, and he was leading God's people into the land that God had promised them. But if that was going to happen, they were going to have to be completely dependent upon God to do that work for them. And so in these passages that we're going to look at tonight, I think we see some keys to what it looks like to be dependent upon God. I think we see a people who were dependent upon God. And thus, we can learn a lesson from that. So first of all, someone who depends on God stays in the Word. Someone who depends on God stays 
in the Word. The leadership responsibility that the Lord had given to Joshua was massive. He had to help provide for and meet the physical needs of the people. Whether it be food, whether it be water, whether it be shelter, he was responsible of helping provide for all those needs. Now, I'm not talking about a few hundred people. I'm talking about a smooth meal. Imagine if you were in charge of leading a million people into a section of land that God had promised to give you, and you're responsible for feeding those mouths, for getting water to them, for providing shelter, for keeping them safe. The responsibility load that Joshua had was massive as far as just meeting the physical needs of the people, but it didn't stop there. He also had to prepare for and lead them in the battles that had to be fought as they were taking control of the land. To say this was a daunting task would be a gross understatement. But look at what God does. If you look back to the verses that we just read, you would see three things. You see that God gave a promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. Then you would also see that God gave an encouragement. Be strong and courageous. And then you would also see that God gave a challenge. Do not turn from my word. Each and every one of us as born-again believers placed in the kingdom of God have work to do as a part of that kingdom. You have responsibilities that you are in control of as far as what God desires for you to do in the midst of building his kingdom here on this earth and making preparations for the time when Jesus comes back. But you don't have to fear or worry or stress or be anxious over that responsibility because God gives you the same promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. God gives you the same encouragement. Be strong and courageous. Do the work. And God gives you the same challenge. Stay in my word. The key to Joshua and the people experiencing success in their conquest directly tied to them staying in the word of God. God says, stay in my word. Don't you turn from the right or to the left. Then you will prosper. Then you will have success. They had to be dependent on God's word in order to know when he said move. They had to be dependent upon God's word in order to know when he said stay. They had to be dependent upon God's word in order to know when he said fight. And doing any of those things without his word would be taking matters into their own hands and thus leading to disastrous results. This is the challenging part of the night. I love you guys. And because I love you, I'm going to push you right here a little bit. Can I push you? We good? Y'all can take it right. You resist. I love you, so I'm going to push you a little bit tonight. A lot of times, I don't think we realize the fact that we're having issues with depending on God. I think for the most part, this is something that sneaks in underneath the radar of our spiritual lives. But let me show you a main indicator. Someone who is having dependency issues will always have a severe lack of interaction with God's Word. Someone having dependency issues upon God will always have a severe lack of interaction with God's word in their life. When we begin to take the matters of life back into our own hands, our interaction with God's word becomes increasingly absent. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we get to a point where we think we don't need it. Because when we think we've got a better way, when we think we can make better decisions, we think we can lay out a better plan for our life than what God has in store for us, then we don't really care to hear what anybody else has to say at that moment. My granddad was kind of like this. 
God love his soul. He's in eternity tonight praising at the feet of Jesus. But that man, when he got his mind set on something, it didn't matter if you had a better method. It didn't matter if you had a better route. It didn't matter if you had any other opinion whatsoever. When his mind was set on doing that thing, nobody else's voice mattered. This is how we're doing it. It's like that with us sometimes. When we have dependency issues with God, we get our minds set on doing things a certain way, choosing a certain path, making our own plans, our own decisions, having our own set of desires or ambitions and goals. And then in the process of that, we block out God's voice. I don't need it anymore. I got things figured out for myself. And so watch this. It's funny how we do this. On one side, we pull back on our dependence. I've got a better path. I've got a better plan. I've got a better way figured out for my own life. But then I hear people say out of the other side of their mouth, I'm struggling to believe God for this. Or I'm struggling to trust God in that. Or I'm struggling to see God in this. That don't make any sense. It ain't no wonder that we struggle to hear God. It's no wonder that we struggle to see God at work. Because we've pulled back on our dependence upon Him, and in pulling back on our dependence on Him, we leave His Word hanging high and dry. As a believer, as someone who is owned by Jesus, let me, let me give y'all just a little simplistic life advice. Life is much greater of a struggle when we try to regain control of it ourselves. Joshua, you want to prosper and you want to have success? Stay in my word. Man or woman of God, you want to prosper, you want to have success in serving God? Stay in his word. Tell somebody next to you, stay in his word. Stay in his word. You want to prosper, you want to have success in serving God, you want to see him use you for his glory throughout the earth, stay in his word. Psalm 119.25 says this, Give me life according to your word. So according to this psalmist, we should cling to his word like our life depended on it. That's how important his word should be to us. That's how dependent we should be upon it for counsel and wisdom. Someone who's dependent on God stays in the Word, but someone who's dependent on God receives direction. We got the challenge and stuff out of the way. Everybody take a deep breath. I don't let it out because of COVID, so find a way to swallow it back down. Someone who is dependent upon God receives direction. Flip over to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shidom. Some of you got real nervous right there, didn't you? <laughs> you didn't know how that one was going to work out exactly, did you? Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shidom and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. <laughs> At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. So someone who is dependent upon God receives direction. As Joshua and the people are getting ready to move into the Promised Land, God gives them instructions on the way that he is going to direct them. The Ark of the Covenant was symbolic for the presence of God going before the people. So his presence was going to be out 
in front. Another little simplistic practical piece of life advice, it's always a good thing to have the presence of God set out in front of you. So the presence of God was going to go before them, and they were specifically to follow behind it 2,000 cubits, which makes a lot of sense to y'all, right? You know exactly how far that is. Let me help you relate a little bit. It's about 1,000 yards. So they were to stay about 1,000 yards behind the Ark of the Covenant as it went before them. Dependence on God's direction was important for these people. Why? Because they were going somewhere that they had never been before. Wouldn't you agree that directions are important when you're fixing to go somewhere you ain't never been before? At y'all's particular stage of life, how many of you would agree that direction is one of your main struggles and concerns in life? I can't tell you how many times I have counseled with college-age young adult people who have sat across from me and asked me time and time again, how do I figure out what God wants me to do in my life? How do I know what I'm supposed to major in? How do I know what I'm supposed to do with my career? How do I know if I'm supposed to live here or live there? For you guys, direction is one of the main struggles and concerns of your life. Trust me, I know I used to sit in the same seat. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Who am I going to marry? What, what if I can't figure it out, period? The next thing you know, man, you've got therapists, you've got counseling sessions lined up, stuff's falling apart, you're reading books that don't even make sense to you about how you're supposed to make sense of things. Things are falling apart, you're stressed, you're worried, hair's falling out, and you're 21 years old. It's a struggle. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. If you will depend on God, you will receive direction from God. Now, I know you're looking at me like, easier said than done, bro. That's easy for you to say. It is easy for me to say. You know why? Because I've been where you've been. I've sat in the seats that you have been in. And trust me, coming from the testimony of somebody who has struggled with finding direction for their lives, when you depend on God, I promise you will receive direction from God. And that's just not me giving a personal testimony. Let's go to God's Word and find out if that's true. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Not convinced? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Still not convinced? Proverbs 16, 3, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Still not convinced? Proverbs 16, 9, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And one more, just for good measure, Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Depend on God, and you will get direction from God. You know how I came across those verses? Because I sat in the same seat y'all sat in, I got in a place of such desperation to try and figure out what direction God wanted for my life, I went to His Word and found them. And lo and behold, if the promises of God aren't there, 
And oh my goodness, if he didn't give me direction. Let me show you a couple of things about receiving direction as a dependent, though. Let me say that again. Let me show you a couple of things about receiving direction as a dependent. Because I think it's important. Go back and look at verse 3. Joshua commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. As a dependent... Direction is not up for debate. That's what I tell my wife every time we get in the car to go somewhere. You in a passenger seat, I'm in a driver's seat. That means you are dependent upon me to get us to the destination we're going to. And the directions in which I take to get us there are not up for debate. Hello, God says the same thing to his people. I'm in the driver's seat. You in the passenger seat. I've got a direction for your life and the way in which I take you to get there is not up for debate. Some of you are having a hard time finding direction because you're independent of God. You've got dependency issues. God's trying to give you direction and you're arguing about the way in which we're going. It's not up for debate. God told his people, when you see the ark go before you to do what? Two simple words. Follow it. In the same sense today, you save yourself a whole lot of struggle, a whole lot of heartache if when God moves in a certain direction, you follow Him. Just go. Don't debate the route you're taking. Don't sit there and argue with Him about the fact that it's taking six years to get the degree. Try, He's got a plan in place. Sooner or later, it's going to come together if you depend upon Him. One more thing, though, about direction as a dependent. Go look at verse 4. There shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. As a dependent, direction requires distance. You can't follow something that you're out in front of. God says, I need you to keep a distance between my presence and where you stand. Because if you get out in front of me, you're not going to have any idea which way I'm going. Better yet, don't even get beside me. Because you can't follow somebody you're standing beside either. God says, stay behind me. I'll show you the way in which you need to go. We took a church trip one time, and I was given the responsibility of driving one of the vans. I thought, we knew, I, thought I knew where we were going. Had a pretty good idea of the route that we were taking. Thought, well, I'll just, we'll just do it. So I was about third in line. We weren't going near the rate of speed, which I wanted. So I'm like, well, I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. It's going it's to take a six-hour trip, like 12 hours, if I don't do something about it. So when I saw my opportunity... I pulled out the left-hand lane. I took the lead. Little did I know that everybody had planned on taking a route that I wasn't planning on taking. Sped out ahead of everybody. About 15, 20 minutes later, looked back behind me. Nobody's back there. They had exited off to take a different route. I kept this a secret for my entire life. I'm just not coming clean. So I had to pull my phone out to pull up the address to figure out which route they might have taken so I could get caught back up with everybody. Somehow, by the grace of God, I managed to sneak back behind in line like nothing ever happened. What happened, though, the, the problem came when I got out in front of everybody. The same thing happens with us in life with God as He gives us direction. When we get out in front of God, it's disastrous. Not only is it disastrous, it's dangerous. God says, keep a distance. Stay behind me. Follow me. Don't get out in front of them. 
When we let dependency issues get in the way, guess what? Direction becomes difficult. We argue with God about the way we're going or how long it's taking, which leads to us moving out in front, placing us in a dangerous position. This is why we need to deal with our dependency issues. Why? Because dependence helps determine direction. If Jesus owns me, then I must be dependent upon him to give me the direction that I need. One last thing, one last encouragement. Someone who's dependent on God doesn't get blocked by barriers. I like this part. I think it's a good way to end. Nudge somebody next to you, tell them to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Don't miss it. We'll say the best for last. Joshua chapter 3. Go down to verse 5. It says, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And I drop down to verse uh, 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the Jordan is a river, by the way, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Sarathan, and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. People who are dependent upon God do not get blocked by barriers. As the people move to the edge of entering the land God has given them, there is a major barrier that stands in their way, that barrier being the Jordan River. Crossing that barrier on a normal day would have been difficult enough, but the river's currently at flood stage. In other words, it is completely impassable at this point. But the moment that the Priest's feet, everybody say priest's feet, priest's feet. The moment that the priest's feet who were carrying the ark, which remember signify the presence of God, dipped into the water, God stopped the flow. Listen, just because you depend on God for direction, that doesn't mean you won't encounter barriers along the path. Life is full of barriers that will attempt to block the path God is taking you down. Illness is a barrier. Failures can be barriers. Finances can be barriers. Doubters can be barriers. Mistakes can be barriers. Critics can be barriers. But when the presence of God steps in the midst of those barriers, give me a moment and let me teach on this for a second as we finish up tonight. When the presence of God steps in the midst of those barriers, what was impassable becomes passable. What was immovable becomes movable. What was impossible becomes possible. What was unimaginable becomes tangible. What was unattainable becomes reachable. Those who depend on God don't get blocked by barriers. They get brought through barriers. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight 
that if they had the chance, could give a testimony of how God's great, mighty hand stepped into the midst of a barrier of their life and brought them through something they never imagined they can get through. And even if you can't think of a practical one, then those of us who are believers in here all have the same one in common. When Jesus Christ stepped in and stopped the flow of sin and replaced it with the flow of His blood and tore down a barrier that stood between us and God so that we could have salvation in Him again. Those who depend on God don't get blocked by barriers. They get brought through barriers. But you've got to depend on Him. You know what would have happened if the Israelites would have tried to do it themselves? They'd have jumped in and drowned. I'm trying to warn you tonight, don't drown trying to cross something that God's going to bring you through. you got to depend on him to do it. If Jesus owns me, then I depend on him to get me through, around, and over my barriers. Man, as, as a new parent, I have a different perspective on what being truly dependent looks like. I love my son. But if he's going to eat, somebody got to feed him. If he's going to bathe, somebody got to wash him. If he's going to change clothes, somebody got to change him. If he's going to get from one place to the next, he can do that a little bit. But if we're not going to be 80 by the time we get there, somebody's got to transport him. (laughs) Completely and utterly dependent. But you know what really melts me? It's the expression of dependence he gives. You know what that expression looks like? Every time one of us walks by. If you've been having dependency issues, here's my encouragement to each and every one of us tonight. Let's show Jesus our expression of dependence. When's the last time you found yourself in the presence of God and just said, hey, Jesus, can you just pick me up? Because I can't do this on my own. I can't blaze my own trail. I thought I could, but it's not working. I can't find direction from my life. I thought I could, but it's not working. I can't develop the willpower to stay in your word like I should each and every day. Will you just pick me up and show me? Will you pick me up and place me in it? If you got dependency issues tonight, the simplest way that those can be dissolved is for you to just simply give an expression of dependence to Jesus by holding your arms up to him. Depend on him. If Jesus owns you, he expects your dependency upon him for the entirety of your life. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. 
just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.